1: This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor.
2: If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz SB Marketing. Help for your business. Ideas. Design. Online. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean
1: Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Now, I'm in Paul in the UK and Sean, you're in New Zealand. And wow, it's been a bit of a crazy week, hasn't it?
2: It's, uh, yeah, well, a couple of weeks really. And um, I just want to say thanks to all the messages from people on Twitter And a few private messages just after the earthquake that happened down here. I did post a bit of an update on the Back of the Net Twitter page just to say all was was okay where I was. But, yeah, man, that was – living down here, you get used to quakes and, you know, the odd wobble, which I I moved here nine years ago, and to start with, it was so alien. But, you know, you do settle into them. But this one was – yeah, it was terrifying, eh, I'll be honest (laughs) –
1: yeah, I mean, what was it? Because uh, you're you're obviously in Wellington most of the time, but you're on the South Island in Nelson, weren't you? I mean, what was the you know scale on the? Was it the Richter scale? What was the reading?
2: Yeah, well, it was seven point eight, and it happened down in Kaikoura, which is on the um, east coast of the South Island, and yeah, I was in Nelson, which is the top of the South Island, so it's ah, oh, it's not so far away. It's probably about three and a half hour drive. I was there for work and with the family we were over for the weekend and we're staying in a you know classic New Zealand villa which is a basically a wooden bungalow and uh, it was midnight we were asleep and then suddenly heard the it was Tasha partner woke up first and said earthquake so we felt the rumble and it was like oh yep, yeah, this is a bit bigger than normal ran into the other room grabbed Sky the baby out of the cot and got under the door frame and it just got bigger and bigger it was it was like kind of what you see in the movies where you're watching the whole house around you shake and the house we were in had these big like hanging massive hanging lights which were literally swinging wow. from like one side to the other and all the pictures are all wobbling and it it went on for over a minute a eh? and that was there was one point halfway through where you thought geez this is this is a serious serious problem you know and luckily it, it then did die down but then there was the aftershocks and every time you feel an aftershock you think Jesus, this is the next next one, and yeah, so it wasn't much sleeping after that, it was midnight, and we ended up oh, just getting up, baby was wired and wide awake, and we weren't going to sleep, so I think we got to sleep maybe about five by the time we'd um, kind of calmed down, and I mean, I've got friends down in Kaikoura, and you know, a couple of people lost their lives, and um, it's just been... A nightmare and uh, came back to Wellington and in Wellington we've got a lot of high-rise buildings and lots of those have been closed down so my partner had a week off work because she couldn't go into the government building she worked in and um, the only saving grace was it, it was at midnight and it wasn't in the day if it was in the day it would have been there would have been a huge loss of life so thankful for that but um, yeah I know it's not football related but still it's um, bringing you a bit of life down here so what happens when you live um, in the ring of fire as they call it
1: yeah well Honestly, so glad
2: to hear that you and your family are okay, mate. Thanks, buddy. And then, uh, you know, we just needed a little bit of a a pick-me-up and uh, Bournemouth delivered and we'll talk about that soon. But anyway, let's get back to the football and the podcast. So here's what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net.
1: We kick off with Michael's match report as Michael Dunn covers all departments from the game at the Bet365 Stadium and straight after that we'll be getting the fan and media thoughts too.
2: Yeah, and then me and Sam are going to have a chat about the game, we're going to discuss the key points and give our opinion on the win and spoiler alert, I'm going to be honest, I found some of our antics difficult to watch, but more about that later on.
1: Ah, difficult to watch in the Mark Hughes way, is what he said. This is going to be very interesting. Um, We've got your puns as well, by the way. Thank you for submitting those. We'll We'll be going through those. And after a refresher about our retro shirt poll, we'll see what you've been saying about how our team should shape up against Arsenal on Sunday. And then Sean and I will carry on and provide our views too. And how did
2: Sean fare at FIFA? out later on in the show but first it's this week's do you remember now Rob has been expanding on just doing a previous player and this week he's testing your knowledge on players past from the club on their nicknames so how good are you at nicknames of some former let's call them greats so take it away Rob
3: Welcome to this week's Do You Remember? This week, we're going to be looking at nicknames. Do you remember the player from their nickname? Six of the best. See how you go. Number one, Deadly. Number two, Horse. Number three, Sumo. I think that's an easy one. Number four, Chicken. Number five, Bomber. Probably one for the olders. Chesty Deadly Horse Sumo Chicken Bomber Chesty Okay, so the answers for this week's Do You Remember? Number one, Deadly. That was our legendary Scottish striker, Deadly Derek Holmes. Number two, Horse. Possibly not one known to a lot of people, but that was officially the nickname, or seemed to be on the south stand for Neil Young. Number three, Sumo. The one and only Warren Aspinall. Number four, Chicken, as in Headless. George Lawrence, he never knew what he was going to do with the ball, so how the defenders had a clue, I don't know. Number five, possibly the second blondest player ever to play for Bournemouth after Adrian Pennock, Brian Bomber McGorry, midfielder from the Pulis eras. And the final one, Chesty, that's the erstwhile striker from the 80s, Trevor Chesty Morgan. How did you go?
2: good stuff there on the nicknames and uh oh, anytime we can get deadly Derek Holmes into the show makes me a very happy man because I was a big fan of the Scotsman
1: yeah uh, I I did remember most of those um I love the bit in the middle where where Rob just reels them out deadly horse sumo chicken <laughs> bomber chesty it's like the worst ever countdown round answers <laughs> it was brilliant but um deadly Derek, horse the younger i'll always remember that neil young a uh, sumo of course uh, chicken but then that is when i lost it didn't know bomber and didn't know chesty chesty great nickname
2: yeah yeah good stuff and uh, yeah thanks to rob who's our well former um season ticket holder who's now in sydney australia which ties in very nicely to what oh. i am looking at at the moment through the webcam so it's morning here right. in New Zealand. It's a beautiful sunny day. I've got my jandals on and coffee in my hand. Sam, it's late night. And I'm disgusted to say <laughs> you're drinking a can of Foster's, which anyone who's been to the Southern Hemisphere knows that nobody in Australia drinks Foster's. The only place you see it when you're there pretty much is in like souvenir shops for people like you, Sam Davis. Because <laughs> if you went to Australia, I know you would buy a cork hat with Foster's on it. and uh, But, well
1: on. one thing to remember Sean is I'm not in Australia.
2: <laughs> you're not you're drinking you're drinking an Australian Australian beer. So Ian, Ian Hensman I know listens to the show uh, who's uh Roo down down in uh, Australia mate. He's uh, I think he's actually heading up to um watch Bournemouth game in the next couple of weeks if if he's not already on route I saw on his Twitter so um yeah I'll get him to have a word with you, Sam. Put you straight. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, fingers
1: crossed, when he does watch an AFC Bournemouth game, he'll be watching a win. And it was great to get back to winning ways this weekend as Bournemouth defeated Stoke at the Bet365 Stadium. And here's Michael with his match report.
4: Nothing quite like an away win, and with no victories to celebrate beyond Dean Court in our season to date, our always adored Cherry's first triumph at Stoke for 25 years on Saturday was as sweet as they come. Eddie was forced into changes at the back, as Adam Smith's suspension saw Nathan Ackie come in at centre-half, with Captain Simon Francis returning to right-back. Far more surprising was the selection of Adam Federici between the sticks, with the news that Arthur Boris had failed a late fitness test after injuring his back putting to bed whispered rumours that he'd been left out after living it up in Warsaw after his record-breaking appearance for Poland in midweek. Jordan Ibe, who had been robbed at knife point during the international break, was ruled out with illness to be replaced in the starting line-up by Callum Wilson as Josh King moved out wide. The military band had barely packed away their instruments at the Bet365 Stadium when Jack Wilshire stole the ball from Charlie Adam and set the galloping Callum Wilson off towards Lee Grant's goal. Our goal machine was prevented from adding to his account, however, when the linesman's flag called him offside, although replays suggested that it was narrowly the wrong decision. There was nothing narrow about what followed, when Wilshire again put Wilson through. Just as he was preparing to reach closure on the ramifications of his last visit to the Potteries, Callum was felled in what is normally described as stonewall terms by the ever-aggressive Ryan Shawcross. It was a challenge so removed from what could be deemed fair play, that television pundits were reduced to fits of giggles at the absurdity of referee Roger East waving away with absolute certainty entirely legitimate claims for a penalty. The magic-hatted Jack Wilshere continued to pull the strings in midfield and had soon found Josh King in space inside the Stoke box. The Norwegian looked certain to score, but his low right-footed effort was well saved by Grant and would probably have been cleared by one of the two defenders on the line had the Stoke keeper missed it. On 26 minutes our Cherries got the reward their early efforts deserved, and each passing move down the right saw the once again marauding Simon Francis muscle his way past Eric Peters before being pushed over by the Dutchman. From the resulting free kick, the Stoke defence politely declined to invade Nathan Ackie's personal space, allowing the defender to head past the exposed gates from six yards. Almost immediately, there were signs that we were going to dig in and defend our league, a tactic that allowed Stoke to finally come into the game. When Harrieta was booked for pulling down Allen on the edge of the D, Shakiri was presented with a gilt-edged chance to draw the potter's level. However, the Swiss couldn't get his free kick up and down and it sailed over Federici's bar, much to the relief of the away support behind the goal. Ryan Shawcross saw a goal-bound header rebounded back to him by the impressive Aki and a second attempt by the Stoke defender was then imperiously headed off the line by Steve Cook. Roger East left the field to a chorus of colourful catcalls from the Bournemouth fans at half-time and appeared to be taking his revenge early in the second half when he awarded Stoke a penalty when Simon Francis clumsily trod on the back of Boyan's boot, causing the Spaniard to collapse in dramatic fashion. East immediately pointed to the spot, but Adam Federici was in no such hurry to get on with things and gave a brief masterclass in delaying tactics, taking so long to wipe his hands on his towel that I had to check that he only had two arms. This dilly-dallying saw the Australian go notebook, but it did the trick as Boyan blasted the ball against the crossbar and a strange kind of justice was done. On 55 minutes, the travelling support put their partisan bias to one side for a passionate rendition of a song in tribute to the late Mick Cunningham, who had passed away soon after being taken ill at the corresponding fixture just over a year ago. With Mick's name ringing out from the away end, the team did their best to honour his memory by clinging on to our slim lead. I've lost count of the number of occasions I've been broiling with indignation at the time-wasting tactics of opposition sides over the years, but this time the shoe was on the other foot, with Callum Wilson taking things to a new level when hurling the ball back into the crowd before a throw-in. Wilson had had close personal attention from the Stoke defence all afternoon, and on 69 minutes Eddie had seen enough and replaced him with Benica Yet again, our number nine instantly found himself in a goal-scoring position – but lost his footing as he prepared to pull the trigger after receiving a slide-rule pass from Jack Wilshire. Mark Hughes threw on Jonathan Walters and Peter Crouch in the closing stages, as Stoke went direct in their attempt to force an equaliser. Shakir and Arnautovic both put decent chances high and wide, and Walters headed into Federici's grateful arms from Charlie Adams' cross. Afobi was putting in a good shift himself as a target man. More often than not, our clearances beyond the halfway line fall into the Congolese he was involved in a neat passing move that almost rubber-stamped our victory, fighting junior Stanislas, who played a neat ball, to Jack Wilshere, and the Arsenal loanee almost took the roof off the away end with a curling left-foot strike which shaved the outside of Grant's post. Six long minutes of stoppage time ensued, Stoke continuing to pump the ball long towards Crouch, but the closest the former England striker could come was a stabbed effort which was cleared off the line by Harry Arter. Finally, East Blue for full-time, And although it was only mid-November, spirits were so festive in the away end that even the Jingle Bell song was given an early airing. Oh, what
1: fun it is to see the Bournemouth win away. Hey! Oh, Michael, I'm so glad you finally got to report on a Bournemouth win. It has been a while, isn't it? But thank you very much, Mr Dunn. And you can follow him on Twitter at All Departments. And he certainly covered all departments of that game. And great to hear the tribute to Mick Cunningham there. Now, as per usual on Back of the Net, it's time for the fan and the media thoughts, and they're usually accompanied by a tune, and there's been plenty of suggestions over social media this week. Um... On the wind up theme, Roe Cherry on Twitter said, Owen Paul, my favourite waste of time. I like that. We were accused of time wasting. Carrie Payton agreed with that. Ross Devonport came up with, This week's song has to be Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill. Loving your work. Red and Black Exile. How about a song to wind up Stoke City this week? Let's hang on to what we've got by Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Like it. Matt Callahan." Surely the tune of the week is simply "Rule Britannia. Now Matt, I was going to give that to you but it was incredibly apt. However, it's probably a bit too classical for the podcast and whilst I did find a punky version on YouTube I'm still not quite sure but we do have a winner this week and Just like Stanislaus, Stanislaw and all that lot, our Chelsea goal-scoring Loney from the weekend seems to be having the same problems with the media as what Junior does, as no-one seems to know how to pronounce his surname. So, to make this song choice this week work, we're not going to say Aki, we're going to say Aki. And also, also, we've chosen this song as well, because it's somewhat topical too, because it's a chant that's recently been adopted by fans across the country to sing about their favourite stars, including Dimitri Payet for West Ham and also Deli Alley for Spurs, amongst many others. So it's a good chance for the youngins of this world to hear the original song. So without further ado, the winner this week on Twitter was submitted by Mr. Tony Rogers, and he came up with a corker. It's Billy Ray Cyrus with Aki... sorry... Akey, breaky heart. You can tell the world. Uh, and then I don't know what minute it was, but you'll never see a stonewall penalty like this ever again. It was a foul. He never got anywhere near the ball. Now, I must admit, when I first saw it, I thought, hmm, but the replays Oh, come on, a total pen. I don't know if the referees have this, but they need some kind of refereeing promotion relegation system. Uh, If that was the case, Roger East would be refereeing Dexter Sports tomorrow because the quality of his refereeing throughout the whole game was absolutely appalling. Just don't think he'd understand. How on earth can he not see This is <laughs> <as> a
4: penalty. <laughs> it's incredible. Stoke a are in Looking at it, it's I mean, he's actually look, wiped him out. Look. look. How can he not see that is a clear penalty? The a bird in
1: for diving there. Yeah. Look, look at that. Oh, okay, awesome. fellas. <laughs> <laughs> see that was a nasty looking tackle. Was that Wilfred Bonnie?
0: Yeah it was. He lost control of the ball and he's lunged in both footed. Not off the floor, though, to be fair. Straight in on Francis and left one on him, so he'd be lucky if he doesn't get booked.
4: So you've had a look at that challenge at Stoke. Howard, what do you think? Yeah, Wilford Boney should
1: have been sent off. 100%. He's already in a yellow card for a high-knee tackle on Aki in the first half. He caught him on the side of the head with his knee. That in itself could have been a red, but Roger East decided to go yellow. I can live with that. This one, near the halfway line, Simon Francis plays the ball upfield, and
4: Boney goes in studs first on the top of the ankle, bottom of the shin of Simon Francis, minimum second yellow card, it be a straight red he's so lucky still to be on the pitch Stoke against Bournemouth, man of the match well there's a couple of big candidates, Nathan Ake was fantastic at the back but I've got to give it to Jack Wilshere, still can't believe he's at Bournemouth but he was superb in the middle of the park, driving force, all his passes were good and he almost topped off the day with a goal near the end
0: Back from the game, and it's another disappointing uh, defeat. I thought we were going into a bit of form. Um, I was confident. I think a lot of people were confident. Uh, but the thing is about this league, anyone can beat anyone. That is the main attraction for this league. So I did expect um, well, not expect, suspect there was going to be something um, of an opportunity for them to pick up some points. I mean, the midfield for us was the main thing. Um, I feel like their midfield sort of ran it. Jack Wilshere, uh, in my opinion, was exceptional uh, in that game. Um, but for me, our midfield was never up to speed compared to them. I know there was a lot of issues with wasting time and the refereeing decisions weren't particularly great. But the fact is, um, we've we've got to we've got to uh, compete with them, and our midfield just didn't do it on the day.
1: So those were the fans and the media thoughts. Now, I say fans thoughts. Uh, This week, the AFCB element was represented by yours truly from the Back of the Net YouTube channel. We'll talk about that later on. Now, I'm probably guilty for not pushing it over social media this weekend. However, we do really want your feedback after each and every AFCB game because apparently... This is a popular part of the show, but uh, unfortunately we don't have the budget or the time to be having men on the ground like Arsenal fan TV, but we do have a phone number and we do have an email address. So on Sunday, when you come coming out of Dean court, do give us a ring or send us an email with your vocal thoughts Call 01202 or voice note us to fans at afcbpodcast.com. So as well as me, you heard the voices of Alan Shearer and Ian Wright from Match of the Day. Uh, you heard Casey Stoney, the England women's footballer. Howard Webb, ex-prem referee. Alan McAnally from Sky Sports. And also the Stoke View uh, from Dave from the Stoke City 101 YouTube channel. So, Sean, a few changes. Three, in fact. So, when you woke up from your slumber down under to turn the TV on to see that lineup, did you think you were still dreaming or uh, or what? Because, you know, Fed's in. Jordan Ibe out and Nathan Ake in.
2: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't far off, actually. I think we were pretty close to what we called. I think we said that we felt Ibe, it was time for Ibe to sit out. I mean, they say he was ill, but, you know, I, th- I have a feeling he probably would have been sitting on the sideline anyway. I guess the talk leading up was, was it going to be Tyrone Mings or was it going to be uh, Nathan Ake? And did you see on Twitter, actually, um, Tyrone Mings posted like three days before the game like a little GIF of somebody kind of rolling their eyes, like a tutting type message. Did you see that? GIF? Was he or was he cleaning his kitchen work surface? No, Do it's you mean a, GIF, sure? No, it's not a GIF. The guy... <laughs> listen, I've had this conversation. Sorry, this is people that know the techo nonsense. The guy that developed that format, he has defined it as GIF. He has defined it. It's a bit like um, my dad is Jeff Barker. He's not Gaeff, is he? No, he's not. But... <laughs> Anyway, t- see, case closed. Uh, but Tyra Mings posted that two or three days ago, which made you kind of feel like he thought he was going to be pushing for a start and was, I don't know, I read into that that he was just a little bit disappointed that they'd gone with Aki. But uh, no, I was impressed, pleased with that. Um, obviously, feds, yeah, coming in for Boric when he strolled out, it was like, oh, yeah. So that's, um, that was the only one, I guess, that did super surprise me.
1: You're such an AFC Bournemouth fan. You see one animated gif or gif as you call it GIF. and then the mind the mind starts playing tricks and you're thinking all sorts of crazy things. He just posted a gif but that isn't the AFC Bournemouth thing in it. We go absolutely spare over the smallest thing. But anyway, yeah, so we started off uh, pretty tentative, but oh my goodness, that early run from Wilson, I think Wilson put him through and then Wilson went through a goal and it was laughable,
2: wasn't it? Laughable. That was a penno. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the no, I'm going to say the only thing, and, it's, and it makes no excuse, was that his last touch before the – I reckon, right, that, that the referee – because they have it so long building up, because Wilson's running through. He's got Shawcross chasing him. so all And you can start to see that Wilson's starting to cut across, which is what all strikers do now, isn't it? They kind of, when they get close, if they can cut across, Vardy does it. Brilliantly, if you if it's you know if that's your thing, he cuts across defenders and wins penalties. In Roger East's mind, right, I reckon he's thinking in his head he's going to try and go for a penalty here if he doesn't score because at some point Shawcross is going to make that tackle. Now this isn't defending him; it's just I reckon that's part of it. So that then when it does happen, he's already got that seed of doubt of he might go down here. He does go down, and I mean I don't know what I presume he thinks that he wasn't touched and he dived. I mean, but then you do notice that Wilson ran up to the referee pretending to put a card up. And I could, you could tell what he was saying to him was if that's not a penalty, then you have to card me for simulation. Because what you're saying is if that's not a foul, then the only other excuse is that I dived, in which case you have to book me, which is I think quite right. And um, the only thing I did think about as well, right, was, you know, sometimes players go and the ball's kind of towards the, outside edge of the... in the Inside the penalty area, but on the outside edge. Yeah. And you know the goalkeeper comes out and sometimes people like they're four or five yards from the line and they tow it and it's going out of play and the goalkeeper kind of collides with them. Often yeah. they're not given because it's like, ah, oh, the ball was going out anyway. So that's my uh, only no. other thought was, is he thinking it's such a heavy touch? He was never going to get it anyway. And I mean, because we can't speak to referees because they can't talk to the press and they're not allowed any kind of contact... We never know, and I think this is kind of, again, is maybe a good example of why we need to have some dialogue. They shouldn't be hidden away, you know, because we need to know.
1: Yeah, well, as it happened, it didn't make so much of a difference. And I think Eddie Howe is generous with what he said in his post-match interview. He said, I'm a big fan of Roger East. He did get it wrong, but we were just lucky in the end that the result went our way. But the chances kept on coming. Um, great touch. I think it was Callum Wilson with a with a lovely little touch. who laid it inside to Jack Wilshire. And then um, King, uh, he had a
2: great chance, didn't he? Great chance. Uh, do you think he took too long over that? Yeah, I mean, when it comes across to him, you're watching it, you're going, well, he's got a score here, eh? Like, he has to score. Either either you hit it first time, cause, or you did have he did have so much time, but he almost took too much time with it. And then he kind of drilled it, I don't know. Uh, he got that goal, I can't remember who it was against. Where was it where King was in a similar position, and he just smashed it, and it went in the near post in the top corner? Newcastle United away, was it? Where yes. he got put through and he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was Could it. It was just one. an instinct hit. It was almost, it needed one of those, eh? Or or like Shearer against um, the Netherlands in 1996. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just needed him to leather it, eh? And I mean, if that had got in, it was like, well, game over. But man, we played so well, especially in that first half, eh? Like, just totally dominated the ball. Wilshire, oh, I'm loving Jack Wilshire. Yeah. He's uh, he's he was really pulling the
1: strings in the middle. I mean, Stoke really didn't. They got a foot in towards the end of the first half, and I think it was a sure cross header, and you know, Cookie was in the right place at the right time.
2: Yeah, the the only thing was again, it was like it was only one goal, and they they seem to be in total disarray. I mean, the goal itself. I mean, they they've lined up in a zonal defensive position, right? And so with that zonal kind of marking, it's like right if there's there's this area in and around the six-yard box. The idea is, well, if the ball goes in there, we've got so many men that you're not going to score. I mean, ironically, for Aki to be free pretty much on the six-yard box for his header, it's like, that's boys, that's not how zonal marking works. Like, the whole idea of staying in a set position is that you're in that position when the ball comes in. But they were just (laughs) overall, across the park, they just seemed quite clueless. And, like, I often think with those kind of situations... You kind of get a free pass up until half time because Hughes is on the sideline or whoever it is, whichever team they're playing. At half time, it always gives the manager an opportunity to change things, right? Like we're totally bossing the middle, we're totally getting in between their lines, in between their midfield and their defence. It was just chaos, and we we were kind of running rampant. And it's like well, you know, at half time, they're gonna change their system or they're gonna make a change. So you've kind of got forty five minutes to really kind of go for it. Until they have a chance to reorganise. So I guess that was the only thing was mm. that obviously we only went in one nil. Yeah, but I mean it was a
1: great header from Aki, wasn't it? And but before that though, the, there was so much vitriol from the crowd. They were just singing, "You're you're such an embarrassment to the ref and cheat, cheat, cheat." It's a. I was reading the tweets. It it sounded like a hostile atmosphere. But in the second half, it they cheered up somewhat with a penalty. And um, I don't know whether it's Boyan or Bojan or whatever. Firstly. Was it a penalty? What do you well? What do you think? Um, it's so difficult because it's just the way he falls down. Uh, Simon Francis has got his hands back. Um, he doesn't lunge in. He basically stands up and treads on his toes. Although, as the way uh, Boyan's foot was sort of shaped, it he basically stood on his ankle. But uh, he's a he's obviously a trained uh, striker. He's international. He's foreign. He loves diving. That's what they do, isn't it? And uh, he went down theatrically and you know roger east's decision uh making up to that point indicated to me that if that kind of thing happened he would give a penalty and it was no surprise when he blew the whistle
2: now and the other thing which was annoying especially in that first half but it kind of happened in the second half as well and was that thing that my well, mate rob who was on the show earlier when we used to sit together he used to always call this like that decision he didn't give that penalty with uh, for us right and obviously the way everyone reacted in his mind, he's got to be thinking, uh, I should have given a penalty there. So he did that thing that all referees do if they don't give you a decision early on. If the ball's kind of 10 yards either side of the halfway line and there's any kind of 50-50 challenge, he gave it to us for a period of time. And it's like it's like he's trying to even it up by going, no, look, I am giving you lots of decisions, but in like a totally needless area where Stoke <laughs> aren't really going to complain. And it was like, yeah, that doesn't really count, but... But, you know, but then, yeah, up, up stepped uh, for the penalty. Fed's wiping his gloves, mucking around, just doing whatever he can. It's in, in American football. They call it icing the kicker, where just before a field goal's taken or an extra point, they'll call a timeout right before they kick just to add another 30, 40 or 60 seconds on to kind of give them more time. And he's thinking about it now. Did he have a plan to go low in a corner and has he changed it last minute or whatever else? Who knows? But I don't know. For us, it was like justice is done more so because I think because we didn't get the penalty more so than the decision. Because I don't know. For me, he did still he still touched him in the box. And that's modern football, folks. Mm, it was a counter, it was a counter attacking game after
1: that, I thought, well, for Bournemouth anyway, and our chances, we didn't really have that kind of, the, we didn't shift as a unit up the pitch, it was always breakaways. Um, there was that incident with um, Wilfred Bonny, um Boney, I don't know what he's called, but uh, the tackle on Francis, and as you heard, in the sequence earlier on on the fans and media thoughts um Howard Webb said he should have gone off because yeah it was a reckless challenge
2: well yeah it's I mean again you can kind of because he's already been booked for that uh again I didn't think the first one was a red I think that's just been a strike in that position you're focusing on putting your foot up it's clumsy and reckless but I don't think it was huge intent but that gives you, a. it lessens the kind of decision-making process on the second one. I mean, it's a yellow card. I mean, whether it's, is it bad enough for a red? Had he not been booked in the first half, I think that would have been a legitimate shout of he should have been sent off for it. But surely, I mean, it's at least a yellow. And then fourth official comes on the pitch. I don't know, just to say what, sorry, ref, his shirt's untucked or whatever. Because clearly they weren't discussing the decision and then the drop ball. And so, yeah, so again, you know, that was a, he just had a bad day, didn't he, the ref. He had an absolute shocker.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there's a few substitutions and um this is when a, a phobie came on for Wilson. A little bit of gamesmanship, would you say?
2: Mark, you said we were time wasting. What's your opinion on the matter, Mr. Barker? Yeah, okay, here you go. This is <laughs> I I'm gonna be honest, right? I found it uh I found it slightly painful, slightly cringeworthy, and difficult to enjoy that game of football, particular in the second half. One, because it was so soft start, it was frustrating because the second half particularly, there was no real flow. But I don't know. Again, it's modern football. Um, I think we've wised up. I wouldn't say we were naive before, but I think we've always been known to try and play the right way and we've had lots of games over the years at Dean Court where we've had an away side come to us and they've time wasted, they've gone down injured, they've kicked the ball away and we've been going spare in the South stand or North stand, whichever one we were in about their behavior. And, you know, and there was always a kind of, we weren't like that. And I don't know, we weren't a big diving team and, you know, like when Smithy goes on his runs, and he, you know, when, when Adam Smith's running and he's got a bit of pace on him and he's got a defense, there or somebody next to him, you know, if he can't make the pass, he's going to go down, right? And he does his big swan yeah. dive. And he is, it's always a foul because he has made contact, but I'm all, even that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with. But, you know, there was. The going down injured just before a substitution, there's the going to take a throw and then, oh, hang on a minute, is is the substitution happening? Feds did that thing that, oh, and this is where I completely undo all my good work here of being holier than now. I've done this as a goalkeeper. You do the classic, there's a free kick for offside being given. So you go and walk towards the position where the free kick is going to be for the offside. Linesman thinks you're going to place the ball, so the linesman starts pushing up. And then you do what Federici did at this game. You stand around and you look at the linesman and you go, where is it, Lino? Where do I put the ball? Where do I put the ball? (laughs) And the linesman has to run back and he has to go right here. And it's like, you know, it's it's time waste. And we did a huge amount of it and it wasn't pretty. And I don't know, would we have won this game 1-0 a year ago or two years ago? Would we have seen the game out the way that we did? Probably not. So in that respect, yes, have we got wiser on the dark arts? Uh, to throw in a Harry Potter reference, I think we probably have. Am I comfortable with it? We've won the game, so should I just go, hey, we've won and everyone else does it? I don't know. I. What do you think, listeners? Um, am mm. I on my own here or um, do you agree? I don't know. It was. It was just difficult, Sammy.
1: Mr Barker there being very critical of time wasting this coming from the guy in one of who in one of the last matches of football I played with him absolutely booted the ball 60 yards into a bush which the ball couldn't be retrieved for the next five minutes and you are criticizing time wasters Sean <laughs> you know,
2: okay so what what happened this was locomotive days we were div 8 7 whatever we we're playing a team like div 1 weren't we we were 2-1 away From home, there was like four minutes of injury time. This is the third minute. One of their guys had gone down injured. And I think it was, again, I'm just talking about Rob Frank all the time. But I think he kicked the ball out or they kicked the ball, whatever it was. And then we said to the ref, look, just do a drop ball and I'll kick it back to them. So they didn't challenge me. Yeah, they put it down. (laughs) And I have absolutely, I can still picture the hedge it ended up in. And they had to go and get it out the prickles. And by the time they'd done that... They blew the whistle. And this is where the famous locomotive quote, one of their fans on the sideline was giving uh, Rob in particular lots of abuse. And he turned to him and just said, we're not here to make friends. And (laughs) if ever there was a slogan to replace together, anything is possible following that one win at Stoke. It was (laughs) we're not here to make friends
1: yeah brilliant so Wilshire hit the post Arthur off the line but we ended up 1-0 winners we got some great puns on Twitter by the way we'll go into them shortly but Sean you wanted to you wanted to pipe up with something
2: yeah well, just um, I think we need to talk about Nathan Ackie and his performance and um, and also mentioned for Wilshire because I think Wilshire was spectacular but um, Aki's just come in there's been all that talk about Chelsea or whatever else and other than that time, he totally lost waters with the free header where if he hadn't hit it straight at Federici, then I think we would have been in trouble. Other than that, um, he looked like he'd been there all season, didn't he? Yeah, um really
1: good I thought. I mean, it's a it's probably a testament to the quality of the training that they're doing at AC Bournemouth that he he's so fit. Um he slots in well to the system. He's athletic as well. And indeed Nathan Aké formed um the bulk of the punnage uh, material that was submitted over Twitter. So Steve Traylon said, Ake Stokes, a defensive selection dilemma. Like it. Ooh, and, good. That, uh, that's referenced you know last
2: week's show as well with the defense. Yeah, good, good. I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah it does. And we'll be um, in our preview piece, we'll be talking about your thoughts on who should start. Should Ake start? Um, Nick Smith, Hughes, act off. You know, no one knows how to pronounce his surname, so we'll (laughs) we'll just have to go with whatever you're saying. Um, Steve Wright, Ake pokes it home to stoke it to the potters, to stoke it to the potters. Okay, Uh, it's Ross, Ross Devonport, awful East's quest to stop cherries move north above Southampton if tables fails. He's using all the compass references there.
2: Geographically superb.
1: And like I was saying to Claire Claire Joss on Twitter earlier in the week, or Claire Joe's, I don't know how to pronounce that either. Um, <laughs> I always have to do this thing, northeast, southwest. I think, which way's which? So bring out the old, never eat shredded wheat, the classic. Um, what we get us, we've got Robert Murphy. Oh, he does it as well. Went north, defeated east, going south with three points. Hashtag pun headline. Very good. And Kevin Anderson, uh, Nathan gives Stoke. A head ache. Ack
2: ache. Good. Do you know, it's ironic that just as we try to scale back on the punnage due to um, just thousands of emails saying we're bored of your puns, I'm loving the fact that the listeners have ramped up their pun suggestions. So, you know, we give the people what they want, as uh, the Americas just found out.
1: Who doesn't love retro? That's too much retro, even for me. But we just wanted to remind you of the Back of the Net Retro Shirt Poll. As you may have heard on the podcast, on our website, we're showing off 10 of the best retro cherry shirts from yesteryear. And at afcbpodcast.com slash retro, you can see the shirts and vote for your top three. When the poll has closed, we'll collate the results and we'll then pass over the winners to the club. And who knows, you may well be seeing one or more of the shirts hitting the AFCB Superstore very soon. On our website, you can listen to Sean's interview with Cherry's programme writer Gareth Davis as they discuss all things retro. The shirts are Home 94.95, the red and black stripes, Exchange and Mart, Home 92.93. Cooper Beers home 1986 to 87, our classical Germain Defoe ten in a row home 2000 to 2001. This one reminds me of Jason Brissett away 96 to 97. The AC Milan inspired away 1990 to 92. That infamous purple away green and horrible colour number ninety three to ninety four, the Ted McDougall green and black stripes of ninety seven to ninety one, John Bailey at Wembley, the special nineteen ninety eight shirt, or the Wembley Prelude shirt ninety seven to ninety eight. Go on to dot com forward slash retro now and submit your details and vote for your top three. The winners will be sent to the club. And I, for one, cannot wait. Hit the music, please. So, on Sunday, live on Sky, Cherries will be awaiting the visit of Arsenal, and it's going to be an interesting match in terms of the team lineup, and we've had a few. Little comments on Twitter about what the starting lineup should be because Ake's performance on Saturday against Stoke has certainly threw a spanner in the works. And with Andrew Sermon ready to come back, perhaps, and then is Dan Gosling going to be playing because obviously Jack Wilshire is not allowed to play. So, what's going to happen? Well. Steve Phillips on Twitter said lots of de- uh, debate on here regarding Sunday. As much as I love Smudge and Drew, I would go with the same eleven as on Saturday. Interesting. Robert Murphy, Eddie Howe will find it hard to drop Ake for Smith. Maybe Moussa for Wilshire. Anything bar a hammering though would be a result. Uh, then we've got uh, we've got a few, well, a couple of different calibrations from Sam Summers in terms of his lineup. So. He's thinking Callum Wilson is 100% going to be up front. And then across the middle, he says it's either going to be Stanislas Gosling, Sermon, Arter, and King, or Stanislas Gosling, Ake, Arter, and King. But then in the other lineup, he's got Ake at the back, pairing Cook with Frano on the right, and the other one with Smith back. It's all confusing. Stephen Allen says, I've got a big problem with leaving Adam Smith out. He's been outstanding. And he carries a lot of drive going forward. Robbie Sargent, one swallow does not make a summer. (laughs) Interesting comment. But Francis and Sermon should not walk straight back into their familiar roles. Uh, UTC in all departments. If Smith and Sermon are back next week, who takes Wilshire's role? Gosling or Ake covering while Arta pushes forward? And then FFS Boric. Gosling once again proving that he should never have been dropped for Sermon at Borough. He really did the dirty work today. And finally, uh, Simply Wilson 13. Um, Wilshire, just talking about Jack Wilshire, he said, you know what, I'm a Bournemouth player, so I'll be wanting us to win us as in AFC Bournemouth. So good man Jack Wilshire. But Sean it's uh it's going to be a really tricky decision. It's probably one of Eddie Howe's hardest lineups to pick so far barring maybe the first match of the
2: season. Yeah and it's um it's interesting the we talked about Eddie's loyalty a few weeks back didn't we about how Sermon came straight back in for Gosling even though Gosling had played so well and um, when he missed out through illness. So has he learned maybe from that, that you keep the players that are in form? Mm, I don't know. I think he might actually, which also, I mean, it it looks like I, I would say with Federici, I think Federici will probably start. I know Boric has just posted a photo of him. Laid out on a massage table on Instagram. So he may still be having problems anyway. But I I don't know. I've got an inkling that he'd probably remain. But yeah, it's. Aki's come in. He scored a goal. He's played really well. Like, pretty much that guy could not have done anything else. Like, if he'd have just played really well, you're like, well, he could have scored the winning goal. So he's gone and done that. So, in that respect, you go, well, surely he needs to keep going we know eddie likes to have consistency across the back but the spanner as you say is the fact that wilsh is out mm. so either aki does push forward and maybe plays another new role which he has done but gosling played so well i thought in yeah. that line protective line in front of the back four against stoke and like you notice things like every time they bomb one of those long balls forward, if it's from a goal kick or whatever else It was actually Gosling that was dropping back onto the striker and was challenging for the ball, and our defender was then dropping deep. We weren't getting our centre-backs to challenge for those high balls when they were coming from the defence. So I think Mm -hmm. Gosling actually played really, really well in that more holding position, but we still know he can get forward as well. I'm going to go wild card here. Gosling will hold in that position, and um, we'll bring in... Ibe or A.N. other wide man and King will go into the number 10 role behind Wilson. That's my call. With the back four staying as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I
1: um, I would keep Ake, but I would move him into a kind of defensive midfielder position. So basically what I'd have, I'd have Boric in goal, uh, if he's fit, which he hopefully is, if not Federici. I, you know, I didn't feel confident actually with Feds in goal, but he did well when he was called upon. And he, from what I heard, he had a bit of a hard week by the sounds of it with his uh, his baby boy was ill, etc.
2: I thought he was fantastic at Stoke. His handling, I thought, was really, really great because he had quite a few shots and headers and whatever else that kind of went straight at him, which they can actually be some of the hardest saves, kind of saves to make. I mean, they look like, yes, the keeper should always save those, to be able to get down, hold them, not squirm it out. You know, there there is a fair bit of pressure, and I think he actually handled everything really, really well. And again, I think he was unlucky last year because he came in and he played really well and then he got injured didn't he against Everton otherwise I think he would have continued then so I don't know yeah I just want to make mention I guess of I thought he played really well.
1: Yeah interesting you mentioned um, Jordan Ibe I mean I don't think he'll come back and start and uh, there were a few cynical comments um, over the weekend about his dropping and you may have noticed the lack of Club news this week because that's because nothing really happened. But then this his story don't came out. His
2: haircut. Don't forget his haircut. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that. <laughs> don't forget that. Um, you know, you know, AFC Bournemouth Twitter account. You, know, you know, don't worry about the tickets that Bournemouth fans need to get. But just you know, talk about the haircut. I know that caused a. <laughs> I know that ruffled a few feathers. But um, yeah, this story emerged about him having his watch uh nicked. I, I don't know if it was a mugging or what, but it was it was in London and it was a it was after the Sunderland game. So. It was a while ago and I was maybe quite cynical on the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, by saying that, you know, it doesn't sound like um, he was ill. It sounds like it's a dropping. But, you know, psychologically, he, he's a young lad. He may still be a bit shaken from it. So uh, sorry, Jordan, if that's the case. But, you know, maybe he just had a cold. Who knows? He, he he could have been ill. Whether he'll come back in and start, I don't think so. I don't think he will. My opinion is this. I'm, I'm with Sam Summers here. Boric and goal defensively i think it'll be what we know charlie daniels steve kirk francis adam smith midfield stanislas and king on the flanks and in the middle gosling harry arter jordan uh, sorry, jordan nackie nathan nackie um playing a bit more defensive and then callum wilson up front that's what i think mm-hmm. um uh, have you got a prediction
2: for how it'll go sean um, well, hopefully better than last year when we we lost two nil, didn't we? And conceded two goals in minute and a half or whatever it was. Um, thanks to EA Sports, I did play the game on FIFA Seventeen on world class level because I know uh, a couple of people online have been asking me what level I'm playing at. And it was one all. We actually went one 0 up with Harry Ada, but um, only scored a header later on. Um, I would take. I would take that. I still. Looking at the three fixtures of Stoke, Arsenal and Liverpool, if you said you're going to average a point from each of those games at the end of it, I think we would have been happy. So that's not me being pessimistic. I just feel like that three points has given us a bit of wiggle room. Um, I think we might, hopefully we'll go a bit more toe-to-toe than we did against some of the big clubs last year. And do you know what? Yeah, let's go with it. One all. I'm saying the same. I'm saying the
1: same, Sean. We are in agreement for the first time ever. I think one all as well. Um, I think, I mean, Arsenal are so potent up front, really potent. Now, they're playing PSG on Wednesday, so the podcast comes out on this very day. It'll be interesting. You never know, the whole team might get injured and, (laughs) and we might have the reserves playing us, but I doubt it. But in their last match, they drew one all at uh, Man United, and they l- they looked actually um, not the greatest. United should have probably won that, but who knows? They've had a bit of a dip in form, I suppose. Drew with Spurs, so it's been it's been a long time. They last won nearly a month ago on the 29th of October against Sunderland. So who knows? And is is this on the
2: is this live on UK TV? It is. It's on Sky Sports. Two fifteen kickoff. Do you remember when, like when we were hardly ever on TV, and then we went through that spell, didn't we, for ages? Where every time we were on TV, we'd either lose, mostly lose, or it was an absolutely dire game of football. Yeah, are we
1: talking in the kind of League One days, or you mean? Yeah. So we're talking the nil-nil draw at home to Hartlepool, I think. I remember then...
2: a game against Brighton where it was chucking with rain and was awful, and it was just a horrible game of football
1: oh we yeah we had many and we had a few <laughs> friday night fixtures as well which were yeah not the best not the best but yeah so we're both going for a draw then
2: sean yeah as fingers crossed um live on tv let's show the country what we can do
4: bonjour my name is frank rolling and you're listening back of the net
1: so good to hear the voice of Frank Rowling. Sean, my search was not in vain. That's a French accent, by the way, just to avoid the element of doubt there. Just wanted to quickly mention our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please do go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. The link is also on our website, and anyone who subscribes will go into the hat for. And Eddie had a dream T-shirt because what we do usually within two hours after the kickoff, we have a knee jerk match review of the game. And uh, in the one that you'll see online this week, we pretty much sock it to Roger East.
2: Yeah, well, when we say we, it's Sam because uh, I'm down in New Zealand and I'm normally tucked back up in bed. Snoozing, And you don't want to see a video of that. But, uh, yeah, no, good work, Sam, on the videos. And um, don't forget, we gave you a a mention to it earlier on, the Retro Shirt Poll um, in conjunction with Gareth Davies, who writes for the program, and he's also a shirt nerd. You know, um, do go ahead to our website and place your votes on your favorite old school shirts. Because, you know, Gareth's spoken to the guys at the club shop he's spoken to the makers of the kits and he's spoken to the um communication department at the club and yeah it's not just us wildly putting a poll out there and hoping the club listen they are actually wanting to know the results because they are interested in maybe producing some more shirts so yeah if you've got one in particular you know i mean just i'm just going to pick one randomly let's just say that horrible purple away kit from the 90s just off the top of my head then that is definitely there to get voted uh on there's there's other there's nine others as well but i mean just you know there is that purple one so do go and vote it's dot com forward slash retro um yeah head to the website and do that very very important
1: yeah before we go we also just want to remind fans uh to please contribute to the fan thoughts we always bung in a few media views and those from the opposition as well so please do get in touch after the game, get your mobile out and call 01202 90 Leave your name, where you're from and say about a 45 second blurb of the game. Or if you want to record a voice note on your phone to make it crystal clear, you can do that and then send it to fans at afcbpodcast.com. But we love all the interactions that we get, whether it's the fan thoughts and we love to hear all the feedback that we see on Twitter. Thank you to all the new followers, including uh, our most recent follower, Ollie Harfield, who is uh, a Charlie Daniels in the making. He's he's played for Bournemouth this season at the Vitality Stadium and uh, big things. And also. Just before I go as well, want to give a shout-out to Dave Witt. Dave Witt was the winner of FIFA, and uh, I took his prize round. His son was there in his Bournemouth shirt, and he was raring to go. He, he was so excited. And um, he was like, Dad, Dad, can we play a game now? Dave, I want you to tweet us the result. Did you win, or <laughs> did you let your son win, or, or was he just better than you? I really want to know, Dave. Let us know.
2: Now, talking of computer games, there is another prize giveaway coming up very soon. Thanks to SI Games, we're going to be giving away the latest version of Football Manager. So that is on PC or Mac. And uh, I know for one, I have spent probably years playing that game since I was a wee lad at school, if you were to add up all the hours. So we've got that and I'm going to be doing a bit of a feature on that game coming up in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, and it was funny because when uh, Sean and I went up for a a TV appearance in London recently, Sean bought his laptop and said, yeah, Sam, I've got some work to do. I've got loads of work to do, tons of work. And I glanced over and I said, Sean, what are you up to? And there he was. There he was. Who was your team? You were AFC Bournemouth, weren't you?
2: I was, yeah, TK Ranty up front, get me the goals. It was an older version, but uh, yeah, so stay, <laughs> stay tuned for that. Um, if you are a business and you would like to appear as a sponsor at the start of the show, like like that marketing group at the front that, you know, you do everything through Skype and phone. It's really easy to do. Then, you know, head to that website. But if you're a business that would like to get great exposure like that, do get in contact with Sam because Sam looks after that. Man, he stung me for a huge rate on it, though. So I hope he gets you a better deal than that I got But other than that, the uh, big game this week at home to Arsenal. Do you know the the saddest job that's going to be in that game is when the camera team turn up for Sky Sports and they're all sat there seeing which position they get allocated I feel sorry for the guy or gal who gets the position to basically have the camera on Jack Wilshere in the stands for 90 minutes (laughs) just to capture his reactions as the goals go in, hopefully for us, because, you know, they're going to do it. They'll have a little box in the corner of the Jack cam like, really, can I not just pan? No, just on Jack. That's all you get to do. So hopefully he's going to be wearing red and black. Face is going to be painted up. He's going to have his angry face and, you know, give us celebrating the cherries to a win. But we'll be back after the Arsenal game to talk about that as well as the other game coming up against another, just another lowly club. I think they're called Liverpool. But you have been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.